Many who know me know that I have the privilege of pastoring at a local church of where I live here, a little north of Detroit, Michigan. It's such an honor for me to be able to walk alongside students and parents as they're going through some of the most difficult years of their life and as they're forming their beliefs and, and forming their worldview through this very holy process, but also very difficult and heavy and awkward process as well. And recently, as of recording this podcast, as a day ago, November 30th, 2021, there was a school shooting at a nearby high school near where I get to pastor and where I live. And this podcast is not to rehash the events that are unfolding really in real time as of recording this. But what I do know is that this is something that is just a tragedy, a tragedy on so many levels. It's a tragedy for those that are directly affected by this. It's a tragedy for the community. It's a tragedy for our nation. It's a tragedy for our planet. Yet every tragedy holds the same fundamental broken truth. Brokenness is real. Brokenness is so real. Many of you right now, you are watching or listening to this podcast, and you're just in a tunnel vision of grief of just numbness, depression, whatever it is. There's many that are watching or listening to this podcast right now and you are just tunnel visioned in such a deep, dark, just narrow view of what is going on in your world, in your life, in your mind, in your heart. And you are just so overwhelmed to the point that it's hard to even see anything. My hope is that each and every one of us when we're going through those tunnel visions, when we're going through the seasons of immense grief or trauma or questions or chaos, that no matter what we are going through, that we will hold on with a death grip to our creator, savior, sustainer, and realize that there is so much more. There is so much more than this. There is so much more. And there's a truth that goes beyond what our views or our opinions are. Again, I don't know all the information involving this tragedy, but what I do know is that a 15-year-old student felt so broken that he couldn't even see the brokenness that he was afflicting or going to afflict, and now, as of speaking, has afflicted upon so many lives. That the veil covering that eye, covering that heart was so just heavy but there was no better way than that way which he chose to do on November 30th. And sometimes when we come face to face with brokenness, that's when we open our eyes and we say, my God, why, why, why does it have to be like this? A heavy heart for those that are watching or listening to this podcast, I don't have the answers and I don't know why this was allowed to happen. I don't know why there was an intervention within this 15-year-old student's heart. I don't know what was going on within the family life or, or the society or the structure. I don't know. But what I do know is that there was such a veil that the student did not know what was true and pure and lovely. No matter where today finds you, heavy heart, you are not alone. You are not alone. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In moments like this, in moments like tragedy, 
We will cling to anything that will offer to get us through. And I'm telling you that I have tasted and seen, I have seen that Jesus is not just a crutch. He is the resurrected savior. And he has met me at my lowest. He's met me at my highest. And he is constant through it all. And though my heart longs for consistency in a ever-changing world, and as I am ever-changing myself, that Jesus Christ truly is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so instead of clinging to my own understanding or my own information or my own answers, I rather cling to the resurrected Savior. So before we do anything on this podcast, I want us to cry out, cry out to our God. Lord God, we need you. We need you. We look to you. Lord, in moments like these, things do not make sense, and they may never make sense. But Lord, we look to you in order to have a soberness to see things from your eyes. God, give us the perspective, the wisdom, the humility, the broken heart needed in order for us to see evil for what evil is and to see truth and righteousness and holiness and goodness for what it is as well. Jesus, your word says that you are the author and the perfecter of this faith that can feel so fragile within us. So Jesus, we look to you because we have nothing else to look to. Looking to ourselves, leave us with questions. Looking to others, leave us feeling frustrated and let down. But Lord, we want to look to you. So Lord, break through the hearts of apathy. Break through the walls of hostility. God, help us be humbled and sensitive to you and you alone. Holy Spirit, please work through and pierce through the hardness of heart that I and that all of us have. Search us, O God, know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in us and lead us in your way everlasting. Lord, you are able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine. And so, Lord, in our brokenness, we bring all of the just fragile, broken, shattered pieces of our heart. And Lord, we are asking, we are begging that you will make us whole not through our own understanding, not through our own wisdom, but through you. It's in your name we pray and we surrender, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Recently, I was driving back from Pennsylvania back up to Detroit, and I got caught up in a storm. And I didn't really know that the storm was happening until I was pretty much already going straight into it. And so it was a snow blizzard, and by the grace of God, it wasn't a complete whiteout, so I was still able to see kind of like a narrow tunnel vision of my headlights as the snow was just coming full force in front of me. I saw a little bit of the headlamps. I was on the interstate. I was driving up to Pennsylvania, toll road, about to head into Ohio. And so as I was just going with this, this narrow view, this narrow vision, I started to realize that in order for me to make it through this narrow vision, <laughs> this narrow tunnel of, of just passage to get home safely, that I needed to reduce my speed. And I needed to be more alert than I ever was before. Why? Because my sense of, of sight was so hindered by the storm. All I had was a narrow field of view. 
when we are going through tragedies, when we're going through difficulties in life, sometimes we have at best a narrow field of view. And at worst, sometimes we are just blinded. We are so overwhelmed by the storm and and our sense of any senses, our sense of sight, our sense of foreknowledge or wisdom or discernment is just so hindered because of what we are going through that in those moments, we can tend to make very stupid and foolish decisions. And even though we may have the best of intentions, even the best of us can be taken out by a storm in an instant by a difficulty in life, through a chaos, or just a broken situation. This morning, one of my good friends, a fellow youth pastor in this area, reached out to me and he just asked me if I was going to speak about what happened at the nearby high school here on this podcast. And I was just honest with him. I said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to still figure out what happened and understand it, kind of process it myself. But we just proceeded to kind of talk about what happened and just you know, just bouncing off one another. And one of the things that stood out to me as I was talking with them was just the age of the gunman. And as we were just texting and just kind of thinking about that age of 15, it just hit us that this is the age group of the students that we minister to. We minister to 15-year-olds, the, the victims that, that passed away as a result of this 15-year-old man's just brokenness and, and anger and hurt and blindness. That the, the victims could have been our students as well, that this age group is an age group very near to us. And as we were just talking, I just said that, man, this is, this is just crazy. And there's something that he said that really inspired me to talk today to you. And he said this, he said, yeah, man, I had a lot of dark thoughts when I was 15. When I look at my life now, I'm glad that none of it manifested into reality. You don't realize the hope of a future you have at 15. As I was texting my friend and we were just talking about these dark thoughts that we once had and that we have at times and we're so grateful that these dark thoughts don't manifest itself into reality and that we don't act upon those dark thoughts. As I was just speaking about that, Romans 3.23 came to my mind and Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I was reminded in that moment of texting my friend, a fellow youth pastor, it just hit me that inside each and every one of us, we have the capabilities to do sinful, selfish, just broken, evil things that none of us are exempt from lashing out and doing things that in the moment may feel or sound right to us. But when we have a moment, when we snap back into reality, when we are sober enough to realize what we have done, we realize that this was a mess and this was wrong. Each and every one of us, we have the capabilities of so much junk, and I know that I am broken. Even driving to work today, I had one of those dark thoughts come to my mind, and I was just like, where did that come from? I had worship music playing, but yet again, it's another reminder that we are broken, that we as people are broken, and the Bible says that there are two different kingdoms at work around us. And that is the kingdom of darkness, where the father of lies reigns and rules Satan himself. And there's the kingdom of God, where the prince of peace 
reigns victorious, Jesus, the overcomer. And as I was just thinking about these two kingdoms at work, my attention went to Daniel chapter 7. And this is a passage of scripture that may be really just foreign to many of those that are listening or watching this podcast right now. And a lot of what it talks about, it's it's a lot of prophecy of what Daniel's sharing here in Daniel 7, but there are some universal truths that are clearly seen within this prophecy that Daniel is sharing. And so even though there's a lot of imagery here and there's a lot of just things that kind of really don't make any sense, I want you to bear with me as I read this passage in Daniel chapter 7, and it points to this whole bigger picture of these two kingdoms at work, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. So before I read Daniel chapter seven, I want to give a little context of where Daniel's at as he has this dream. What I'm about to hold up here is a little diagram of the, of the Bible. You have Genesis all the way to uh, Joshua, then you have Judges, and then you have the Kings, and then you go down to the part in the scripture where you have Judah taken over by Babylon, that's what that B represents, and then you have Israel that is taken over by Assyria. And so right now, as we are reading in Daniel, Daniel was from Judah, and so he's in the nation of Babylon right now. And so this is Daniel, he's a follower of Yahweh, of God, and he's in a foreign environment, a very hostile environment towards Yahweh, towards God, And so he's in this hostile, surrounding, just chaotic mess. I mean, his his field of view was very limited. He couldn't really see that very far, and he was very dependent upon the Lord. Because again, when we are in tragic situations, when we're in helpless or hopeless situations, we will cling to the Lord even more than we ever did before. And when we are sometimes in the comfortable situations, that's when we start to let go. We start to lean on our own understanding, our own ways and our own pride and arrogance and wisdom and all that other stuff. So Daniel, in a very hard situation, he's leaning upon the Lord and he's saying, Lord, I need you. So he goes to sleep and this is what Daniel chapter seven says, verse one. Earlier, during the first year King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon, Daniel had a dream and saw visions as he lay in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and this is what he saw. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning on the surface of a great sea, with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came out from the water, each different from the others. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off, and it was left standing with its two hind feet on the ground, like a human being, and it was given a human mind. Then I saw a second beast, and it looked like a bear, and it was rearing up on its one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying to it, Get up, devour the flesh of many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. It had four bird's wings on its back, and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. Then in my vision that night, I saw the fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed his victims with the huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath his feet. It was different from any of the other beasts, and it had ten horns. As I looked at the horns, suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. I watched as thrones were put into place and the ancient one sat down to judge. 
His clothes was as white as snow. His hair was like the purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began a session, and the books were opened. Verse 11. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and his body was destroyed by the fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were still allowed to live a little while longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, nation, and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So within this vision, this prophecy that Daniel is having, he details two different kingdoms. You have one kingdom that is shown by the four beasts. And a lot of the common threads within this kingdom itself is arrogance, boastfulness, murder, death. And you see another kingdom at work where there's a ancient one and there's a son of man that approaches the ancient one. The ancient one gives the authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. His role is eternal. It will never end. And it says his kingdom will never be destroyed. We see from this kingdom, the kingdom of God, we see that the destruction of the fourth beast was made possible. So we see that the fourth beast is destroyed by the king of this kingdom and that the other beasts were allowed to live a little longer, but there's an expiration date to those beasts. So you have the kingdom of destruction, of evilness, of brokenness, of sin, and then you have the kingdom of God. And you see these two different kingdoms at play, but only one is eternal. Only one is victorious. Only one has the last word. In what we just read and throughout all of scripture, there's something very, 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 very clear. The scripture does not sugarcoat the presence of evil and the brokenness of this world apart from the grace of God at work within us through surrender to him. It does not shy away from that, but it also doesn't shy away from the fact that only one kingdom will prevail. You have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness will not prevail. Heavy heart, the kingdom of darkness will not prevail. When we have that tunnel vision, when we can't see what's ahead because of our pain, because of our chaos and confusion and hurt and questions, when we can't see what's ahead of us and that storm is raging to the point that our field of view is so narrow, when we are spinning out of control and we feel lost, the name of Jesus overcomes even that because his kingdom is eternal. His kingdom lasts far beyond anything that this kingdom can ever produce. Everything in this kingdom of darkness is only a mirage and an empty lie. 
And when those dark thoughts come and our senses have failed us and we can't see what's ahead and we are so surrounded by the darkness and the brokenness both within us and around us and we can't see what's ahead and we have those thoughts of giving up or giving in or giving over to the kingdom of darkness and letting the kingdom of darkness use us for destruction and for brokenness. When we have those dark thoughts, the name of Jesus is the only name that will prevail and pierce through even in the most darkest of nights of the soul and of our world. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that will prevail. Heavy heart, only one kingdom will prevail and it is not the kingdom of lies. It is not the kingdom of lies. I was talking with my pastor and recently he's been watching the Lord of the Ring movies by J.R.R. Tolkien and J.R.R. Tolkien, he surrendered himself to the kingdom of God through surrendering to Jesus. And he wrote the Lord of the Rings as a way to communicate some of these truths found in scripture about these two kingdoms at work. And within his fiction, within the Lord of the Rings, there is a weapon used by the dark lords, the, the, the antagonists, the enemies throughout the whole narrative. The main weapon that they use is something known as darkness. And my pastor proceeded to tell me that he can see as he's watching this movie that darkness shifts his shape depending on wherever it's at in order to have its max amount of damage and confusion and frustration. And I was reading upon the darkness as J.R.R. Tolkien wrote into his narratives. And this is something that I read upon as it's used in the Lord of the Rings. It says this, darkness is a major weapon that the dark lords of the Middle Earth used to instill fear into the free people that stood against them. Sometimes they use darkness as a frightening concept to coax people to rely on them for protection. While at other times the dark lords utilize darkness as an actual force. And so it goes on to say that throughout the narrative of the Lord of the Rings, you see how darkness was used in many different ways. And one of the enemies to the darkness was light, was light, was truth. That if the kingdom of darkness can't overwhelm us with fear, with lies, with a very shortened view of our, our surroundings or even our worth or value, that he will prevent us, that darkness, that Satan will try to get us away from the kingdom of God, which the light of God permeates. I read in passages such as John chapter one, verse 14, and this is what it says. It says, the word became flesh, the word of God that spoke everything into existence. Now you and me are products of the word of God, speaking everything to his existence. Everything we can see is a product of the word of God that has gone forth from God himself. The word became flesh and we have seen, we have seen the glory of the only son full of grace and truth. So the writer, John, in John chapter one, verse 14, he's saying that Jesus is the word became flesh and in Jesus is all grace and truth. That if we wanna know what truth is, if we wanna know what grace is and understand both, we look to Jesus. So Jesus, the light of the kingdom of God, the author and perfecter of the faith that we have, the kingdom of God 
is the light that overcomes the darkness. And in order to overcome the darkness, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. Darkness will change its shape in order to go undetected in moments such as what has happened here within this community, November 30th, and the death and the trauma and the evilness that can be clearly seen. If that breaks our heart, the rest of darkness should break our heart as well. This time last year, I was in Vegas, and there was a moment where I was looking outside of my hotel overlooking the strip there in Vegas, and as I was looking at the reflection within the window that I was looking out of, I I took a picture, and within this picture, I can show it here, there was a lot of just reflections of the lights of everything within the strip. And projected upon me, upon the reflection that, that I can see within this mirror, or this window that I was looking out of, you see so many of the tactics of darkness projected upon me. We live in darkness, but so often we'll only call certain things darkness and other things that we enjoy that are darkness as defined by God in his word we say is okay. But if we really are tired of the darkness, of the kingdom of lies, then we have to have a broken heart over all darkness. And the only thing that produces a broken heart within us is a heart that realizes that we are the, the chief sinners. We are the people that are responsible for this darkness. We can't just blame the guns. We can't just blame the shooter. We have to look upon ourselves and say, look, Lord, we as people are broken and we will continue to perpetuate the kingdom of darkness unless we surrender to the kingdom of you and of light. Heavy heart in moments of tragedy such as this, we realize that kingdoms of sandcastles are only the strongest things that we know until we come face to face with the fortress. And in the moments of tragedy, something has to give because there's something within us that demands justice, that demands change. And heavy heart, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. Kingdoms of sandcastles are the strongest things we know until we come face to face with the fortress. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1, going on to verse 8, we see two kings at war. King Saul, the first king of Israel, the king that God gave all of his favor to, but the king that turned his heart away from God and relied on his own understanding, his own wisdom, his own arrogance, and his own pride and pomp. We have King Saul and we have King David. King David was a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. And even though David was still a sinner like you and me, and he still broke God's heart by rebelling against God, David had a heart to see 
seek after God even in his brokenness. And so we see King Saul and King David. King Saul was no longer king of Israel because God said that I am no longer going to allow you to be my king. But King Saul allowed the kingdom of darkness to overtake him and instead of succumbing to the kingdom of God, repenting and saying, God, I am yours and whatever you want to have done, I submit to and surrender to. And if if you want David to be king, then look, it was never mine to begin with. I surrender it to you and I trust you. King Saul instead allowed the kingdom of darkness to put a narrow field of view and King Saul became enraged that someone else would be king that King Saul got so jealous that King Saul chased after King David to kill him. He did not want King David to be king. And instead of surrendering control, realizing that he was never in control to begin with, that everything in his life was a gift from God, he instead took it upon his own hands to afflict damage upon the kingdom of God that was at work within David. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we, we read that the people that were fighting for King Saul started to defect, starting to say, look, no, no, I'm not going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for David. God is with David. So where God is, I'm going to go with. And so we see within First Chronicles chapter 12 that there is two kings at war and people start to defect to the kingdom of God at work within David. And all that to say, as I'm reading this, it stands out to me that we have a choice to also defect from the kingdom of sandcastles, the kingdom of lies, the kingdom of darkness. And then it only comes when we come to a kingdom that is stronger than the kingdom that we once were enslaved to, the kingdom of death and decay. But we go to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life and life abundantly. And the king is Jesus. And when that happens, it's, it's like a cry, like Psalm 61, verse two, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Before my field of view was narrowed and hindered by the storm, I noticed something that stood out to me that started to get some questions going within me. I noticed that on the side of the interstates, that there was multiple salt trucks and scrapers that were ready. And even though the weather was fine, I I didn't see anything. It was still kind of daytime, a little bit of twilight, and I can still see my my sense of, of view was not hindered at this point. I can see very far in front of me, as far as the eye could let me see, as I have with glasses. But as far as I can see, I, I saw and everything looked fine. But the people around me were just kind of ready for something to happen. And as I was driving and it started to get a little darker, I started to think, huh, those were salt trucks. And so the only reason why salt trucks would be ready is if there is a storm coming. And a little while after even having those thoughts, a storm came. And so snow started just pumbling towards me. And as I made my way back towards home, I got contacted by my pastor and he was just asking me if I was home yet. And I let him know, no, I'm, I'm not home yet. And he asked, you know, when will I be home? And I told him when. And he's like, man, dang, I'm, I'm really concerned for you. I, I wish you would have left earlier because this storm is pretty bad over here. 
And so remember, I'm four hours outside of Detroit. So anything that Detroit is going through, I'm about to go through. The wind is just going to blow this storm, especially through the lakes, is going to blow the storms right to where I'm at. And so he was warning me of something to come that I couldn't see. I could see a little. I couldn't see it all. But he was warning me of something to come to prepare me for what I couldn't see. But unfortunately, as I was going near this car, I all of a sudden my back tires or my front tires or both of them gave way and I started to slide on the interstate. So at this point, I was going about 50 miles per hour and I'm sliding. And I don't know if you have ever been in this situation. Many of you probably have. When you're sliding, there's really nothing you can do. They tell you in those moments not to panic because when you panic, you slam on your brakes and whatever your brakes can lock up and it just makes things a little more difficult. And at this moment, I realized that, okay, as much as I wanted to, my knee-jerk reaction was to put on my brakes. Instead, I'm not going to put on my brakes, but I'm just going to steer the car where I want the car to go, even though everything else is telling me that it's not going to go in that direction. And so as I'm literally spinning on this interstate, thankfully the cars around me gave me a little bit of space. And so I'm literally spinning like I'm a cart from Mario Kart that just got hit with a red shell and I'm spinning doing a 360 on the interstate and I start to go off in a ditch. And it was the craziest just feeling because in that moment I had just this peace. But in this moment, I also knew that this was really, 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 really bad, and I was out of control. And as I was going backwards into the tree line of the right-hand side of the interstate that I was previously on, now I'm in a ditch, I'm going at at a very fast pace into the tree line, and I'm going backwards, so I couldn't even see or brace myself for what was about to come. And... I didn't know what else to do in that moment. I was saying, Lord, all right, here we go. No matter what's about to happen, Lord, I'm yours. And in that moment, I just slammed on my foot on the brakes. And thankfully, the car stopped. It totally stopped. And even though I was facing oncoming traffic at this point, I'm off on the side in the ditch. My concern was that people that were traveling the same route that I traveled could have spun out in a very similar way that I did and would have hit me head on. That what happened to me can also happen to other people. So in that moment, I had nothing else I could do. My wheels were so just turned that I didn't even know what straight was anymore. I was so just just overwhelmed by what just happened. And at that point, car lights are heading towards me. And all I could do is just say, Lord, I'm yours. When I was spinning out of control in my car, I called upon the rock that was higher than I, no matter what was to come from my life, whether that was it or he was going to sustain my life and help me overcome this crash that was about to incur. I called upon the rock that was higher than I, and that name is Jesus. The name is Jesus. May we no longer trust to the kingdom of sandcastles. When we are so blinded that we can't see what's ahead, May we call upon the name that can pierce through that and give us a wisdom and a perspective and a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, Paul says, now to him, now to God through Jesus, who's able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine. 
To his name be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the tragedy such as what we're going through, in the tunnel vision of our grief and our pain and our mourning and our questions and our fears and our hurt and our hostility, in this tunnel vision, it is not the end. Heavy heart, it is not the end. In these dark thoughts that come into our heart and mind, it is not the end. When we act upon those dark thoughts, it is not the end. But if you have breath, our God has a plan and purpose for your life that goes so far beyond any of the lies that we have given ourselves over to, the lies that we have succumbed to, and the lies that we perpetuate through our actions and through our lives. All it takes is a moment of surrender saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for on the cross taking all of my sin so that I don't have to be a slave to my sin anymore. But now I am a slave to you and you are the resurrected savior. You overcame the, the wages of sin, which is death for me so that I can live in freedom and live in life through obedience and submission to you. You are the king that I will follow. I'm not going to follow the king of myself, which is just another pawn to the kingdom of darkness. And I'm not going to follow another person because like me, it's just another pawn to the kingdom of darkness. When we are spinning out of control, reliving those lies over and over and over and over and over, may we cry upon the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God, the only one that will reign forever. May what Daniel saw in that vision manifest itself in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our behavior, that his rule is eternal and it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His kingdom will never be destroyed. To those right now that your life is just spinning, 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 and you can't see what's ahead. You feel so overwhelmed. You're helpless and hopeless. And you can't see your worth and value. And you can't see the worth and value of others around you. And this life has lost any glimmer of light or hope. There is, there is, there is, there is. Jesus, 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 pierce through that darkness. Stop, 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 stop the spinning. Lord, help each and every heart see you. Holy Spirit, pierce through our brokenness. Break down our walls, our hearts of apathy. And may we surrender and cry out, Abba, Father, I'm yours. Forgive me, I'm yours. Stop. I need you. I need you. Hold me. Speak truth into me because right now the lies are so heavy, so strong. Lord, we look to you. We need you. We cry upon you. Jesus, 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 have your will and way in my life. Help me rest in you. Help me rest in you. Heavy heart, our God is stronger and faithful even through this. Even through this. Though the pain is heavy and the grief is unbearable and the questions reach all the way up to heaven, we have a God that knows 
our pain. He knows our agony. He knows grief. He is the suffering servant. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. May we look, may we cling to him like never before. May we be citizens of the kingdom of heaven through a surrender to Jesus. Where death shall be no more No mourning, crying or pain Every tear he'll wipe away In the kingdom of heaven Where nothing is accursed A city with a crystal river The throne of God and of the Lamb In the kingdom of heaven Set your mind, your mind, your mind On things above Set your eyes, your eyes, your eyes On the risen sun Where there shall be no sun to shine the Lord himself will be the light in the kingdom of heaven set your mind your mind your mind on things above set your eyes your eyes
the thirsty come Oh, let the one who wants Drink freely from the water of the key